Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a another podcast called A Couple of Lizzie and Chris. No, the say. answer is creative. I was just having fun. Welcome creatives. to an episode of Couple of Creatives. Couple no Zedness. Gonna ruin the SEO of this podcast. Welcome back, everybody. <laughs> Today, we are talking about dealing with people. Just don't get it. Who just don't get what you do. Some pesky don't getters. And kind of covers a few pesky, <laughs> pesky don't getters. We just recorded a very serious podcast right before this. Um, and now in that podcast, I was drinking coffee. And now because it's a couple of hours later, we're now drinking wine. So this one's going to be way more fun. Yeah. Welcome to the way more fun version of the podcast. <laughs> it's going to get lit. No, people don't say that anymore, do they? <laughs> We should stay on track. Um, so, one of the one of the things that I found is that number one, the the first obstacle that you're going to start convincing people is going to be your close friends and your family. And you're like, the first thing that you're usually going to go through is like, hey, I'm interested in music or painting or making videos or making songs. And people will be like, that's amazing. You should definitely pursue this as a hobby. They're like, that's cute. It's so pretty. But like, what are you going to do to make money though? Which is already like a weird part to start framing the conversation. Because I'll say it here and I'm a firm believer of making this like a public thing. Anybody can make a living off of their craft if you're smart and make the right decisions and you have a decent business sense because ultimately you can be very talented and if you can wrap that with some business knowledge, you can be successful. So for anybody that's listening here that thinks, oh, I'd love to do that one day. Yes, you can. I'm not the best photographer. I'm not the best video editor. I'm not the best. And you're first of all, you're always going to find that someone's better than you. So always. just always There's know so that. There's so many people who are better than us. I don't. Yeah, I don't claim to be the best at it. I think I'm good. I'm. I but I always think I can be better. Um, but with that said, we I are think marketable. We're, we're <laughs> marketable. The reason that we're able to make a living off of what we do is because we're smart and we have good business sense and we know all of the different revenue streams that we could make some moolah off of. I knew you were going to say moolah. moolah. (laughs) (laughs) So with that being said, it comes down. This whole podcast is going to be Chris being serious and me being not serious. (sighs) So (laughs) she's laughing like this isn't a serious conversation. So, you know, where was I going with this? I wanted to chat. I don't know. Well, no, because I... (laughs) It's not an easy conversation because a lot of people are not going to understand because they're just not in it. So number one... Well, and it's not a traditional job. No, it's not a traditional job. And no one ever really talks about it in the sense of it it is like a possible career. Like you kind of hear about it. You see some successful people on television. You follow some successful people. But like it's rare that somebody in your like current network or group might be successful in it. And if they are, definitely utilize that to your advantage so you can like ask them questions and tap into and use that inspiration to get you to that stage where you can pursue it as a career. But most of the time and in most situations, people's families, most people don't pursue this as a career or think it's even a career choice. And there's nobody in your life that you can relate to that is doing it full time. Yeah, because there aren't a lot of people that do this. No. Well, mainly because of all of the things that you just mentioned. Because they don't know anyone else who does who does it, because they don't see very many people succeeding at it, because you think it's 
one percent of the or less than one percent of the population that actually is successful at it. And, and those things are partially true, but I think it's wrong to discourage yourself from going after it because those things because of those things. Yeah. So I made a video a while back where I talked about um, you know, how to tell your parents that you want to pursue a life of creativity or to be a photographer. And two of the points I touched on was number one, um, there's like this general idea that people have that you just can't make a living. Like it's like it's almost like common knowledge is that you can't do it. And part of the reason why is that there's such a low barrier of entry for this job. Like if you want to be a videographer, all you need to do is go out and buy a camera and a 50 mil lens. So your barrier entry cost is like a thousand dollars. Whereas if you want to be a lawyer or a doctor, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars of schooling and getting like education and getting approved by some sort of board. And then eventually you're doing it in years yeah. of practice. Every, anyone can give themselves that title, but not as many people deserve it. That's the only thing. So with that tell. being said, because the barrier of entry is so low, there's more people who are going to get into it. And because there's more people who can get into it, there's going to be more failures based purely on a numbers standpoint. So with that in mind, yes, the common knowledge is that you can't be successful at it. But if you really study the su successful people, it sounds like I'm drunk. I've had two sips of wine. No, this will be fun even if we do get a little bit. Yeah. But even if you study the successful groups of people, you realize that there actually is a lot of opportunity in this, especially if you dedicate your life and you're good at it and you treat it seriously as if you were a doctor in terms of being a videographer, like you put in the time, you've invested in the right areas, you treat it like a serious career. There's 100% a chance to do this for a living. I think um, a lot of people just make excuses about like pursuing videography, photography, or YouTube career, or whatever, as a job. Um, but also in most of their life, like, oh, it's too hard. Oh, I need a camera. Oh, I don't know anyone. How, do you really make money off that? They don't actually put any time or resources into it. Yeah. Or they only, they don't jump into it full force. They just like dip a toe in. They like put one video out on YouTube yeah. or make one video one time. And they're like, look what I did. Start calling themselves a filmmaker and never make anything again and go, mm, it was too hard. Yeah. Or you're like, your parents grew up with one person that was not successful in the field. And they're like, well, Jimmy did it. And he, mm, nope. Yeah. He didn't do it. <laughs> Jimmy, that's the best I've heard that so many times. It's like when you tell people, yeah, I'm a, yeah, I, uh, oh, this is the best. Chris and I go, yeah, we run our own video production company. This is before even YouTube or anything. Like, I, I still can't tell people that we're YouTubers, but I love it. Oh, I can't. But anyways, we would go up to people and be like, yeah, we run our own video production company. Like, oh, that's really great. You know, my nephew, Jimmy has a, has a Canon. Uh, I don't know what, uh, what type it is, but yeah, he makes some videos too. Have you ever heard of, um, Windows Movie Maker? Yeah. He uses that a lot. Do you use that? And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, it's hard because people don't treat it seriously until you have success. Like the moment, like, and then when you drop stuff, like, yeah, our condo that we bought, they go, oh, 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 like it's so obvious. They think, oh, that's cute. You must live in your mom's basement. Oh, video, that's so adorable. Yeah, so that's tough. It's it's you're constantly like, not only are you fighting like an inner battle with yourself, being like, should I do this? You're also fighting an outer battle with all these people that don't understand it. So part of the job with even wanting to pursue this is just educating people on the yeah. fact that it's actually a tangible career and it sucks because you're constantly faced with it. Like even strangers yeah. on the internet will be like, Oh, he's a videographer. Like they'll think of you and put you in a box right away. 
Or some people online think that we make so much money. They think that we just get like showered in money and we're super rich and spoiled, which I also find hilarious. Yeah. You would not have a cleanly (laughs) shower if you showered in money, by the way. Listen, if I was that rich, you really think that I would be like just chilling, like stressing myself out every week to put up a video for your sorry ass. Wow. That's what you I'm just kidding. No, she, Lizzie loves you guys. But I would be doing, I'm. I, I meant the one negative person. Oh. I meant the one person that said I was a rich, spoiled kid. Oh, that guy's a jerk. Yeah. Or girl. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But yeah, I would obviously <laughs> be driving around in a freaking Lamborghini, not Chris's 98 Mercedes that scares me. And yeah, I'm not, I'm not. It's a tangible career. <laughs> it's good. You can make good money if you're smart with it. And you can still choose to drive your 98 Mercedes if you would like. On that note getting back to the fact that you have to deal with people. Is there anybody in your life, um, family member or friend where you had to have that conversation where you're like, I want to do this. And how did that go? And what were their initial thoughts on it? Um, what was it like telling your parents you wanted to go to radio and television arts for school? Well, my mom was the one that op- like brought up the program to me. So I That's didn't know great. about it. Um, my mom definitely understood that I was always in the arts. I was always, you know, I thought I was going to go to school for music. And so originally she was pushing me like in grade 10 and 11 to talk to my music teacher and to start thinking about what schools I was going to go to. And then I finally said, no, I don't think that's what I want to do because I don't want people to tell me how to play my instrument or how to do that. That's personal. Um, and um, I was really interested in media production and I loved editing and photography. So I thought that I would go into something like that. And then when my mom brought up this program and it was a really well-known program, then I thought I, and I really wanted to go to a prestigious school. It was important for me personally to go, to get into a really good program and a really good school. So yeah. when I heard that there was all this like notoriety around that, I was like, that is for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want this. And my dad, despite, my dad, despite all my interests, still didn't really get it. He really wanted me to go to Western, which was another university that was more business related. And I got in. I just didn't You didn't that. want that. No, and I think he was disappointed. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he really didn't understand. Despite, like, the man watched so much television, but he did he not. He loved media. Loved media, loved television. Obsessive. Does not understand what happens behind the scenes at all. Like, he thinks it's just one person there with a camera. Like, he doesn't think it's challenging. Yeah. He thinks it's it's not difficult to do. He doesn't see value in it. He doesn't see, So, um, so yeah. I think that's, like, a big common theme is, like, empathy. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't empathize with how hard something is. Like maybe they like like in shot. this industry, you mean? yeah, for sure. Like I mean, in any industry, but like specifically video production, because someone's like, oh, I have an iPhone and I just shoot videos, and like I can point and like make it. But then you're like, no, what about lighting, composition, story, editing, like yeah. acting, finding locations, like all this stuff that requires time, efficiency, expertise. Just like anything, just like if you were in the fashion industry, just if you wanted to be a good lawyer, just if you want to be a good doctor. I mean, I can pick up some utensils and cut something if I wanted to, but I'm not a doctor. Not a doctor. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think I think empathy is a big thing where like a lot of people don't empathize with like the creative person as much. And I think 
people know. And they're I like, think it's like airy-fairy and not hard. And That's just, the hard part. Yeah. Is that it just in general, people don't value it. Even as a society, like we just look at like even the way that like we expect so much content for free yeah. in general. And they're like, oh, I get it for free. So that means like there must not be a monetary exchange. So scrap all that mentality and this like general knowledge aside. Yeah. If you are strategic with it and you're good and you're of quality talent, 100% you will be successful in this industry and you yeah. network properly. So it's not easy. I think one of the things that like from my perspective is like, I mean, and the other side of it too is like you'll talk with friends and then if they don't get it, then you'll just find another group of friends to relate to. And you'll, by being a creative, you'll, and having these conversations, you'll be able to relate to other creatives who are going through the same struggles and you'll find your own bubble of support and yeah. a network. And so, I think that's a great thing too. So now that we stop bitching a little bit, we'll just say a piece of advice would be to surround yourself with people who do find the people that do and they probably, that do get it. I mean, yep. And they're probably also YouTubers, or they're probably also photographers and videographers. But that's also good, you know, for your craft to network to network for, with those people because yep. you'll improve um, and you'll make friends that understand. You can still keep your other friends, but they're not your real friends if they don't at least respect your decision to do this as a career or as a hobby. Yep. And I mean, kind of going back here, and this is just something I was thinking about in terms of like another analogy in anything in life, you know, you could be a baker and you could have a small bake shop and you're just like, you make a few brownies or something like that. But then at the same time, your brownies could be really, really good and you bring them to like mass market and you make millions of dollars. It's the same thing as building a business and being an entrepreneur and freelance. You can do what you do and bring it to scale and you could make an absolute killing off of it. Yeah. Right. It's just, people always think of it as being like, Oh, well, if relating it back to the brownies, it's like, Oh, that's cute. You make brownies. You make really good brownies. You make, I mean, they're good, but like, are you making a living with those brownies? <laughs> and like, I know somebody that owned two bite brownies and they own like a $5 million cottage yeah. in like Barrie, Ontario. Because those brownies, that's a whole marketing plan involved in two bite brownies. Yeah. It's a little itty bitty brownie. It's a two bite brownie. But That's they were super smart with it. They were really good two by brownie. This is some free marketing for that two by brownie. I'm kind of mm-hmm. on the dessert now. No, Saying no, brownie. going back to our podcast. No desserts. And so I'm, we're back. why I keep bringing up so many examples is because I think it's important to understand that um, despite all the negative energy around being like, oh, you're a creative or like, oh, you want to pursue music or you want to be a videographer or you want to be a YouTuber, you want to own a business. I don't know, like, it's, it's, why is it so condescending? Like, how many people, mm. like, I think I can count on my hand the amount of people that were supportive previous to our success. You know what I also find really funny? Ugh, but this is, ugh, people are going to judge me for saying this, but everyone always asks how much money we make. Yeah, I think I've told a handful of people and then it and, just makes them feel weird. Yeah, but you would never ask someone else that. You would never ask... Uh, any anyone else who did any other job, you would never ask. A you doctor, would never be like, hey. "You make any money off that?" Or like, "How how much do you make doing that?" Yeah. How do you get? You know. And I understand on the one hand that they don't, and I I mean they. It's like probably someone who's a bit older and doesn't understand social media. They're genuinely curious. Yeah. 
But I also think it's super inappropriate to ask somebody how much they make. Yeah. So, so not only are you facing the negativity, but you're facing these just awkward conversations. Because yeah. I think it really is rooted in other people's insecurity. Because I think most people in the world want to pursue some sort of creative endeavor, even if it's not like as a business because, or as like full time. And it always turns into me feeling like I'm defending myself. Yeah. No, because I get it. It's either <laughs> they they think that, you know, if I do tell them a dollar amount then sometimes they feel threatened by that because it seems like a lot of money or they don't understand the scale of it if it's if that one particular item I'm making money off of is a smaller number, but they don't understand the quantity in which I yeah. am receiving that. Yeah. And so then I'm justifying it. Yeah. Or then I feel like I'm proving why there is value in that particular thing that was expensive to them. And it's just so, it's so uncomfortable. And so there is a lot, I mean, I guess what we're trying to say by having a little bitch fest again is that you you have to be patient with people and you have to stand oh, your ground. That's so true. You have to be patient with people. And you do you will have to explain what you do to a lot of people. And, and it probably will be frustrating multiple times. A lot of times. Because like you'll literally explain it in full detail <laughs> and then they'll literally go, <laughs> That happened. <laughs> I don't understand. Can you say it again? That's it happened. Lizzie and I, it happened to Lizzie and I, and I couldn't believe it. An hour it. explaining to this woman how we make money. One hour and then at the to very end. To a single end, human. To a we, single <laughs> human. And then at the end, she went all the way back to the first question she asked at the beginning. And I was like, I'm this is how I die. Oh yeah. And that's that's it. It's just like but And please don't get mad at us for saying this because this it is frustrating, but like we do understand that they genuinely don't get it. But it still feels invasive, though, when they ask specifically how much money we no make. No one else talks about it about someone yeah. else's career. Like somebody else, could and they like single a you project. out at like a table with everyone you know, and then you're just like, "Bob, defense." <sighs> yeah, and then it just feels like you're constantly fighting. So yes, I, I'm sorry that a bit of the podcast. Maybe we should just like talk about some advice now. <laughs> so for for us, things. number one, I mean. The advice side of it is knowing that you are going to have to be a bit of like a pioneer and and going and digging through the trenches yourself and being like, okay, I have to go and do this. I'm a bit on my own journey here. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to have to defend yourself in a lot of situations. But at the same time, you're going to attract the right group of people through doing that. Um, and it's not going to be like, it's never going to be easy, but the, the reward on the opposite side of it is that you have a life where you feel like you have purpose. You have, you're doing things that you enjoy more often at least. And you've found a way to monetize what you love, which it, is amazing. Yeah. It just comes back to how do you want to live your life? How do you want to live your life and what is going to make you happy? And that's really all that matters at the end of the day. What's going to make it easier um, is, as we mentioned, being patient, being determined, focused, but most importantly, surrounding yourself with people that do understand. Yeah. And if someone in your friend group is hypercritical of what you're doing and making fun of you and being like, oh, you're going to go take some Instagram photos, <sighs> then they, then maybe that's a person you shouldn't be spending as much time with because you wouldn't, you wouldn't do that to them. And it's either rooted in, jealousy um or it's insecurity yeah and 
anytime you have any kind of success, they are also probably not going to be the person that's going to be supportive of you through that. Like one of my best friends, um, is I've been friends with since I was, oh my God, six. And she, we grew up in different grades. Um, we went to all the same schools except for university. We're very different, but in a lot of ways we're very similar. Yep. And we have only remained friends because we are accepting of each other and our lives and how we are different. There's and no support, judgment. No, we don't judge each other for anything, but we support each other in everything. And even when the other one did something that was like probably not the smartest, we would just say something like, okay, well, y- you know you shouldn't have done that, right? And yeah. she's like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. And I said, well, and if you need help, you can always call me. Yeah. And it's the same thing when I tell her about stuff that's going on with me and YouTube. Like, she doesn't really get it, but because she doesn't watch it, which I totally understand. But if I say, oh, I'm doing a collaboration with like my friend and she's a big YouTuber, I'm so excited. Like the video is so good. Yeah. And I think it's going to do really well. She's like, that's awesome. That's so good. Or I'm like, oh, I did this, you know, I we just got this project for the business and it pays really well. She's like, that's awesome. Same thing with her when she gets promotion, when she, you know, um, when she gets a raise, when she just got her dream job. I'm yeah. super proud of her too. I could, I would butcher her job description. Yeah. Um, but but you're I, supportive. I'm supportive and I can tell other people like, oh, my friend does that. And she does the same. Like when she has a friend that does YouTube, she's like, oh, my my best friend does that. You should watch her videos. Um, and that's the only reason why we stay friends. Yeah. I mean, it goes both ways. Like at the same time as someone can be condescending to our jobs, we, we should never be condescending to someone else's jobs. You know, you should never be like, Oh, this. Mm." Yeah. And it goes. So like at the same time, it's It's respect in general. So like, you know, if if you can, if you want to command respect, you have to respect other people. Yes. So that it's a two way street. In terms of don't that. insult someone else's job because they're insulting yours. Like, stay classy, guys. Stay classy. No, a hundred percent. That's 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 great. It is as cheesy as it sounds. Being like, you stay go Glen Coco. No, it's it is true. So, ooh, can we talk about? Um, we touched on it a little bit, but family. When family doesn't get it, because you could get rid of friends, but you can't really get rid of your family, though. Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. I mean, I feel like my side of what I value wise is you know actually no no your family well your family is in your parents so supportive very supportive but but um i remember at the time when i was picking a school to go to um i i know that there was a touch of insecurity that came from my mom's side and probably even my dad too i remember having conversations and they'd be like just okay, more secure the you want to go to radio and television arts what's a job and then you're like uh uh, yeah. could be a cameraman and they're like a cameraman like on David Letterman or something like that be like yeah but they like they make like 70 80 100,000 maybe more per year they're like oh wait, you sure and it's like yeah. this, and it's like so part of it is like you have to educate yourself with your family together so going back to that video that I made um, I talked a lot about research do research in the field like don't just look up how much does a cameraman make on David yeah. Letterman like go to these places See if there's a, an ability to go and contact them. In most cases, these people have freelance websites. Yeah. So if you find a videographer, look in the credits of anything that's ever really made. You can usually find a name. So let's say it's a commercial that you saw. You see the commercial, or let's say, sorry, let's say it's a film, a movie. Yeah. 
It was a local movie. You research the name online. That person might have a website. You email that website and just be like, hey, I'm a student or I'm thinking about going to school for this. Just out of curiosity, do you have a second for a quick phone call and or can, might I ask you a few questions here? In most cases, those people might email you back. And I would recommend you email 10 people so that at least you land one. So in that case, you have the chance to do some research and have a one-on-one conversation with somebody. Yeah, And maybe some of those people will be very positive and be like, this is how much I make. It's great. And at the same time, you're, you'll always you'll always find pessimists in every industry. So take everything that you get with a grain of salt because certain people might be working in the job and be a videographer, but the situation that they're in might you know put them in a negative mindset. So make sure that you have a diverse research portfolio to make an educated decision on if this is something you want to pursue or not. Yeah. And then use that information with your family so that you can talk about it and be like, all right, I think I'm the type of person that could be successful in this space. And Mm -hmm. here are the reasons why and here are the case studies that have done well. So I think always making a business case Mm -hmm. about the career and the choice that you want to make will lead for you to lead to having a successful career Mm -hmm. in that industry, if that makes sense. No, it's a good idea if you really need to justify it to your parents. I mean, luckily... Even to yourself. Even to yourself. Um, or to anybody else in your family or friends or whatever. But I didn't really have to do that much research. I My mom's friend's brother yeah. what went to that program. Then he ended up teaching one of the classes in our program. Yeah. And he, I ended up meeting him for coffee because my mom said, oh, you know, Jim does that program. It's huge, that program. You had like I a met one-on-one for experience. I got a one-on-one with him. and But it was more, he was almost interviewing me to see what my interests were and if I was going to like the program. Because that's what adults do. That's what adults do. And he said, oh, yeah, I think this program would be really good for her. Um, and he said, I'll help you with your essay and I'll be your reference. Amazing. And so that was really helpful. I think that was a big part of me getting in because my average was good. It was really good, but for that program, it was super competitive. So I know that must have helped a lot. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, I didn't know what a video producer was. I just knew they were in charge and I wanted to be in charge. Yeah. <laughs> As, and <laughs> that's the other thing. Like I grew up knowing I just had this belief in myself because my dad was always the type of person that was like, oh, you got a 99, where'd the 1% go? Why weren't you the best? Yeah, you it was a hard ass. And so I thought, well, I'll just work harder and I'll just be that. It's just how much effort I put in. I knew I wasn't the smartest person naturally, but I knew if I put in more effort, then I would get further because of that. Didn't you win an award? Most Okay, so I'm really (laughs) bad at basketball, guys, but I really wanted to join the basketball team in elementary school, so I did. Um, And when they gave out awards, everyone got an award. But my best. award was most determined. Oh my god! That's it's basically amazing. like you suck, but you tried so. You tried the hardest. Hard. <laughs> and honestly, okay, so I can't change like my body, and I can't change how strong or fast or how good I am at basketball. Practice would make me better, but I'm not. I'm not gifted at the sport, so uh, I stuck to what I was good at, which is this. Here I am. Sweet. So, so I didn't, yeah. I didn't really finish my train of thought when I was talking. I kind of jumped into like, <laughs> no, no, it's okay. I just, I didn't finish where we were going. So like my parents were, they've always been supportive and they're like, you should pursue music if this is what you want, like figure it out. Hopefully it all works out. Um, because, you know, I came from a family where we had a lot of like 
family deaths, if I'm being just really honest. And so those things kind of change your perception on life. And it's just like, if this is what you want to do, then you you go and do it because life is short. Yeah. So that's a big part of it. If I'm just being like, you're the first to hear it here on the podcast. I haven't really talked about this on any other platform. So that's always been a big motivator. Additionally, your parents are always looking out and have the best interest for you. Mm-hmm. And I think because my mom didn't know much about this industry, my dad had some friends that kind of worked in it. My dad's opinion was like, he pursued a career where he followed the money and mm. then he just it built a lifestyle for him that was supportive and he liked it. But it, like anything, it's always going to be a grind. And he always said like, he's like, I pursued the money. I think it's important that you pursue something that you love. Yeah. My mom was like, I think you should get a diverse education and then you can make a di- decision after the fact versus me wanting to have like a targeted education right mm. away. So she wanted me to go to the University of Toronto and get some sort of um, general, like general arts, like a BA, Can't do or anything bachelor with of those, arts. Really? Yes and no. Well, you definitely can. No offense, sorry guys, if you have that. But from what I've heard of my friends that got something like that, they've had trouble. Yeah. So, like, I and now again was the general knowledge. So, but I kind of knew deep down that I was like, I had a, a lot of my mentors and the people I looked up to at the time were like audio engineers and musicians and some video stuff. And I kind of was into YouTube, but not really. And I was like, I like this. this oh, I thought I, I was going to be a traditional TV producer. Yeah. Well, I mean, even in high school, I was like really good at comtech communications technologies. What Obviously, did they I think teach you in that class? It was the best class ever. You would make videos all the time. Oh, that sounds like my media product. It was like tech, the, no media production or something like that. Yeah, communications. Communications. Yeah, technology. So we'd make videos and. Make, make audio and all this stuff and learn how to solder wires and cold cables oh, and stuff like that. that. All this stuff. It was actually really, really great. Soldered things? Yeah. I mean, we were really close with our ComTech teachers, which was really cool. So anyways, we made animations. I made these stupid things of like little German people running around in lederhosen, just stupid stuff. But like I learned it. Like I even look back now, I'm like, I don't know how to make animation, but I did it. So I was, I was good at it and I, I enjoyed it and I... You know, when you receive good grades, it kind of says, okay, this is something that's like worthwhile. And then teachers would be like, you should potentially do this. And I loved like tech class and and shop and things like that. Like those were the things, although, you know, um, I I just, I just loved it. So I was like, I want to do more of this. And then I remember one of my teachers telling me at the time, uh, she's like, what are you thinking about going to school for? It was my drama teacher specifically, Miss P, Miss Pascarello. To the shout out, shout out, Miss P, Miss P, what up? Thank you, Miss P. I still remember those days. Um, so at that time, I remember she was like, "What do you want to do?" And I had the grades to go and pursue like engineering and architecture and all these You're things. So smart. Oh my god. No, okay. I just, I, I just like anything. I just wanted to work hard and I tried my best in all the classes. And I was, I, I, did I was pretty well. much only good at like music, yeah. theater, and then media. The end. Yeah. I just, I loved math and I, I love physics. I still love that stuff now. Mm-hmm. And it's it just that it, I knew that I wouldn't be happy doing it. Yeah. So like I literally, it was like a tone where she'd be like, so what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm pursuing, you know, architecture. I'm trying to build a portfolio and I'm also trying to like do some engineering stuff. But like, if I'm being honest, I, should, I really would love to do music and video, audio production. I don't, just don't think my parents would be that into it. She's like, why not? She's like literally someone from our school is a massive musician. I couldn't remember who it was. And I was like, mm. really? She was like, yeah, they built a career around it and they did it and they're they're doing well. And not everything's about money. You know what I mean? Mm. And I was like, bah, Miss P dropping truth bombs over truth here. Bombs. I mean, yeah, drama teacher. Yeah. 
Either she was just being hella dramatic. Probably. <laughs> oh my God. Probably super fulfilling, 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 fulfilling to be a drama teacher. That would be yeah, so fun. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So I, that, that always stuck with me. I appreciate it because it was like the only person that like really came and was like, no, like you can do this mm. because most of the time people are already having passive conversations enough in society. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of you already experienced this. Hey, how's it been? It's cool, man. It's cool. Raptors won. <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> going to the club. It's like all these just like. No offense. Raptors are awesome. I love the Raptors and it's cool. And it's like brought our community together that aside. But yeah, that's like a thing that a lot of people, people just have about. nothing conversations. That's what I call them. It's just like, they just kind of like are there. Yeah. But like no one's really like a lot of people are, are also afraid of just like going against the grain and swimming upstream in general. Yeah. So no, so like they just it's human nature to just have like the path of least resistance yeah. because meaningful conversations generally are harder to have. Yeah. So the moment you you have a conversation with someone and they contradict or they spark some sort of interest in yeah. like actually listening to you, and then they're like, no, what about what about this? Yeah. And then the the context is important. The person who's saying it yeah. holds a lot of weight too. I don't think anybody. Well, my mom did point out that program to me, but she did not think I was going to get in. I don't think my dad thought I was going to get in. I think my dad was just like, "She'll get in somewhere. It'll be fine." Um, and then even my guidance counselor said, mm, "That's a really competitive program. Um, are you sure it's worth your time to apply? You should definitely apply to a few other schools." Okay. And I was like, two two points. One, bitch. Yeah, sh- yeah. Two, I couldn't believe she actually said that. I to can't me. believe she said that because she what judged a horrible me. Horrible guidance counselor. She didn't know me, and she Don't was judging this. me on my grades, like from I think late grade ten, and I was like being heavily bullied at the time. Uh, so there get was that. Out. So yeah, I wish I wish I went and shoved it right. Also. In her face. How funny is it when you like look back on a situation that it's always that voice? Like, I don't really know. Yeah. That's how it like lives in your head. I remember. And I was like, I couldn't believe she said that to me because it was like the first time I'd ever met up with the guidance counselor to talk about. I was like, oh, this is the thing you're supposed to do for university. So, and I couldn't believe, yeah, what I was faced with. In university, we had a, well, I guess she's not really our guidance counselor, Donna. I just I consider she her. was just a role model in our industry. <laughs> she was kind of like representative that. for the school and for and you would reorganize your classes, classes with her and everything. But she was amazing. Yeah. So it really, when I think back, I'm pretty proud of myself because really, no one. I don't remember anyone saying, like, really in, thinking I was going to get in or encouraging me. It's I just, just that's tried that's hard. That's the nature of it. Yeah. Because like people have this idea of like they just they don't really want to like fully explore what would be best for you. Yeah. They have this idea of like this is what makes money and this is what does well. Yeah. Right? Other so like you should just yeah. try to fit into that. You because people then, are looking after themselves. Like as sad as that is to say, like people want you to do well, but they're really only looking after themselves and they're concentrated on their own lives. Other than your parents and some of your close your closest friends, so you and like you already have to be your biggest supporter. You do you you have to do all you of have this to be the one that's for like, yourself um, because no one is going to do it for you and no one is going to coddle you and that's life. Um, and so that comes with you know fighting past people who don't. When you're confronted with someone who is telling you, "I don't think you can do it," yeah. and I. And people who don't understand what you do and who are questioning it and all of that kind of stuff. 
And people will talk behind your back and they'll be like, oh, yeah, Chris is pursuing music or like, oh, yeah. and all this stuff. And you know that stuff's happening and it sucks. So I want to, I want to bring up two, or at least one moment that stood out for me um, that really was like, as, as cheesy as it sounds, for me at least, it felt like an awakening experience where it's mm-hmm. like, I felt like I was always like a passenger in my life. And we were talking about this in the previous pa- podcast, but it's like, I literally always felt like I was like, oh, I'll just hang out in the the passenger seat. Someone else is driving. I don't really have to think too much about it. When did you think that about yourself? When I was like 16, 15, 16. That's when parents have a lot of, yeah. Well, and and it's finally in the position of your life when it's like, okay, I can kind of make decisions now. Like I've decided, okay, I can I can buy this. I have some financial freedom. I have and now you're like at school. Like I remember, I think. Maybe it was 16, 17, but I remember going downtown to a Macklemore concert. I was on the bus um, and then I went to the concert and I somehow, I was obsessed with him. Like I was studying him and I loved his music so much. He had like, his like first EP was out. Like it wasn't even like, he wasn't big, like how we yeah, know Macklemore yeah. now. And I sound like so pretentious, but it, I just was a really big fan of like his underground music at the time. So I remember he was like doing this one song. I knew all the lyrics and he saw I was in the front. He saw me. He knew that I was rapping it. And he pulled me up on stage and we sang his last song together in Toronto. And I remember that was like this crazy moment. And I got to chat with him and his trumpeter. And I remember asking his like trumpeter at the time. I was like, what's one book that, you know, um, changed your life and made you want to like which is like, what's something you, like, what's one book? And I was kind of just interested in hearing his thought process. And I think Macklemore and the trumpeter both said like, oh, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. And so I bought the book. It's like massive, what the chapters or the, whatever the bookstore was in Canada, like when I would still buy things and not on Amazon. Mm-hmm. I would go there and I like read this book on the bus every single day. And for me, it was the first time I like had this like awakening experience where I was like, no, I can be, an artist for the rest of my life. If I want to, I can pursue a creative field. It wasn't like this like business book. Was it the book that made you think that, or was it the experience of being like pulled up on stage and feeling like special? All of it. I think it's all the whole thing. thing. I think it's like, I respected him so much. And then I saw that he was successful. And then I had this like intimate moment where like we talked one-on-one and then he said like, this is what changed my life and what opened everything up for me. And then I was like, maybe I was so like primed that the time I read that book, it was like, no, I can do this. Mm-hmm. And it was just like a confident, like, okay, I'm the driver of my entire life now. Yeah. No one else is going to tell me what to do. Yeah. And then because of that experience, I think that was like such a pivotal turning point for me where it felt like I was like, no, I want to do, I want to be a creative. Mm-hmm. All, and, and it wasn't a business book. It was literally a book being like, you can be an artist. It's called the artist way. You can, you can do this. So like fundamentally, like, yes, there's always a business case. We talk a lot about business on the course, but like, I was like, no, I want to have meaningful impact as an artist on this planet Mm -hmm. and have my voice be heard in whatever format that is, whether it's YouTube music, multimedia in general, whatever the hell Mm -hmm. it is. And that was like such a confidence boost for me. And then from there, I I learned how to package it from a business Mm -hmm. perspective. I think what a lot of people look for is some kind of direct sign that they're supposed to be doing something. Yeah. They're like almost like acceptance into a school or um, like a job is a secure way of being like, oh, I can be this because someone awarded me this. But 
The thing about being a creative or trying to be a YouTuber, trying to be a famous musician, an actress, you have to have this blind almost hope and belief in yourself that you can work that hard and be good enough to succeed in it. And it's funny because if you think back, if I think back to when I was really little, when I was super little, I was like, I'm going to be a an actress and a singer, famous one. Yeah. Like at the time I loved Hillary Duff. I'm like, I'm going to be just like Hillary Duff, like Lizzie McGuire, and I'm going to have my own show because my name's Lizzie too. <laughs> but you I do. just believed in that. You have your own channel. I technically do now. But I just, I don't know. And there was nothing really that, like my parents weren't overly encouraging or whatever. My dad was kind of like, you want to do that? Okay. And then he- just sometimes enough. And he would force me to do things that I was uncomfortable with, which made made me, which maybe played a part. Like he had me do my boating license when I was 10. I took, actually younger, I think. I took flying lessons when I was 10. Like who does that? I don't know. Like I, it wasn't my dad that taught me. It was someone, he paid for me to have lessons. But I was he probably chose to do that, which is still huge. The youngest person in Canada at the time taking lessons. Um, Put that on your Twitter bio. Yeah, maybe I should. And I think it was all those things that made me think, you know, okay, why can't I do that? So there wasn't a full, there, there's never a for sure sign. You're no. just kind of going with, you have to believe in yourself. It's cheesy. Oh my God, that's so cheesy. I know. And like, I just going back, because I know it sounds like it's like, oh, Chris got pulled up by Malcolm Moore on the stage. But I still needed what enough. What a moment. To, I still needed enough momentum to even put myself in that position. You still I, asked him the question about the book. Like, I'd just be like, oh my God, you're so cool. No, I, I, it's like it just took that opportunity. So I mean, it's not the book that like will change your life. It's not these moments that will change your life. It's like every day is just constantly believing in yourself. And never giving up. Like I kind of, someone else said it to me. It's like, everyone's going to start the race. Let's say there's a, a hurdle race. And everyone's going to start race? a turtle race. A hurdle? Turtle? A hurdle. Turtle not, hurdle? You're not hurdling over turtles. Yeah, but it's a turtle hurdle. That just doesn't sound challenging at we all. We just really like saying the word turtle. I'm so sorry. Yeah, Lizzie yeah. sometimes burps and she does these like things where she bites <laughs> and it sounds like a turtle burp. He says like, I do this. Ow. I don't believe that I do it. And I'm he sorry says, for anyone listening on the car. He says it's like a sounds- snapping turtle, so he calls them turtle burps. <laughs> Whatever, it's dumb. <laughs> Going back to what we're talking about. No, Everyone this is starts what the, people the turtle want. hurdle at the same they time. They want the real life us. Here it is. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> so everyone starts um, this race at the same time it's all the hurdles and like and everyone's always going to try to take the path of least resistance and people will hit a hurdle and some people around you will fall and you'll fall and then some people will give up and you keep going and the whole idea is that you're going to constantly keep hitting hurdles you may fall but if you keep getting up and keep pushing it you will be successful you have to be the one that picks you up because no one else is picking you up yeah. off the race failing isn't succeeding people always say like oh you have to fail failure is the best i'm like well the failure kind of sucks but it's what happens after that that You're actually only matters successful if, if you, you keep push. going if you take if you actually learn something from that and apply it to something else in your life then you made that failure worthwhile otherwise yeah failure itself blows yep let's not you know make that into something great it really it it's hard you know, I feel like people want to be rewarded now for failing. Does that but make sense? But you've only ever really failed if you've given up. If you if you given up or you didn't try at all. Yeah. I agree with all of that. There was something that made me laugh before that I wanted to bring up and now I don't remember. I'm really enjoying this podcast. I think it's the wine. 
personally. No, I've had like half a glass. Same, but I don't know. Okay. Anyways, so what would be your final thoughts for everybody here? It's not going to be easy. So let's like let's get that out of the way. It's not going to be easy having those conversations, wanting to pursue it in general, but the other side of it is is that you'll find the group of people that are supposed to be in your life and go out and look for them actively. Actively look for them and have those conversations so that you can weed them out and find the right ones or filter is the better word to filter the right people that should be in your life and are supportive. You can find people who like people kind of tend to stay glued to high school friends or friends you've known from before. Like you don't have Clinging to do to that. Clinging to comfort, it's easy. You don't have to do that. Um, find a group that gets it in whether it's online or whatever. Um, oh, I remembered what I was going to say. Can we just cut this? There's something I really wanted to Well, so going off the line that Lizzie talked about, um, you know, I did an Instagram post a couple of weeks ago where I talked about like a lot of people just feel alone in this space and they feel like they don't have people to go out and shoot with or create with. Um, You guys either can go back to that post and see if there's anybody in your area, but like actively look for it. Join Facebook groups, find Instagram hashtags that kind of put you in a group become digital friends and then become real world friends. It's not that hard to cultivate relationships in a day and age where literally finding friendships is so easy. It's just that you have to use the tools to develop those friendships and and have them in your life and then use that support system and have those conversations actively with those people so that you have the fire and the excitement and the energy to go and pursue this because like an entrepreneur and like a creative it's always going to be tough, but it's going to be amazing if you push through. It's always worth it. I remember what I was going to say. What? There is... <laughs> I said that's so aggressive. Uh, what a is show, there's a show on Netflix called The Creative Brain. I haven't watched it yet. I need to watch it. You need to watch it. It's really good. Uh, it basically talks about how... What makes creatives creative, it's, it's like the science behind it, essentially. But a really cool thing that they brought up is that your brain takes up about 20% of your body's energy. Yeah. Pretty sure that's right. And so it, like every other part of your body, is programmed to conserve energy. And in order to do that in your brain, it's to take the path of least resistance in terms of thinking power. So we are attracted to more kind of monotonous, easy, mindless tasks like um i don't know like like building ikea furniture for example or something like you do repeatedly like yeah. like a i don't know just like even just like sitting that. on the couch and watching television yeah we we want something routine that's like not challenging to do that you don't even care about because and thinking creatively is constantly stressing your brain for new ideas yeah um, so well, you're that, problem solving most and people, of the time. and when people don't really understand that that actually takes a lot of effort and a lot of work, it's frustrating because you yourself know how much energy and how much thought goes into even just coming up with the idea for something. Yeah. You can literally be physically exhausted after just thinking all yeah, day. I'll tell Chris sometimes I'm like, I'm so tired. He's like, you just sat here all day. And I'm like, you understand. I was really like 
I, did, I was not judgy to you. You've said that to me a few times. Don't even try. You okay. have. Fine. You're like, what are you doing? You sat there. I'm sorry I made you How feel that way. How are you so tired? I don't and feel I'm that like, like that now. I'm mentally tired. And because I'm mentally tired, I feel physically tired. Empathy. Even Thank you for apologizing. And some days are like that. And I feel, and it's not just creatively. People experience that in their other jobs, in their office jobs as well. It's not necessarily physically tiring, but it's emotionally and mentally draining. Um, so... Because of what other people think, don't undervalue what you do. Don't not do something because other people think that you can't. Tell be them all to go own. to hell and do it anyways and find some friends that get it. And be your own cheerleader. And be your own cheerleader. Drop the mic. Walk out. We can't drop the mic. They're attached to a boom arm. Dropped it. You didn't. Don't don't create an illusion for people. But yes, mic drop. Hypothetically. Thank you guys for watching the podcast. Watching? Thank you guys for, oh my God, I'm so tired. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. We do this for fun for you and because we also like it. So please uh, leave a review. That would be really nice. It would mean a lot. We talked for 48 minutes and 11 seconds. I'm really, we're trying to make these an hour, but somehow we keep hitting this mark and I'm sorry, we'll figure it out. Do you want more? What do you guys want more well, of? We should have a question and answer period. Ooh, do you want a Q&A? Do you want us to like so banter? What do you guys, guys want? If you guys download the Anchor app, I'm almost positive, correct me if I'm wrong, that there's a chance that you guys can leave um, a few questions. Um, also, send us some questions on Twitter or DM us, and we will bring these up. Yes, on the next one. Yes, we can talk. Or if about you have it. any subject ideas for the podcast, also awesome. Um, let us know in the review reviews. Views. We love you guys. Thank you so much for your time, your energy. I hope you're having an amazing day. Thanks for choosing to listen to our voices. That's nice. Love you. Love bye. you. Bye.